You can make your way back to your seats. We will get rolling. We will be in John 14 today, uh, verses 1 through 11. And, uh, and normally we have you stand up when we read, but we're going to just be reading this in small portions as we go through it today. So uh, I just kind of want to jump into this. Jesus is going to speak to us. We're, we're going through an, uh, a series called the I Am Statements of Jesus. Um, and there are, there are a handful of statements where Jesus speaks of who he is. Uh, he says, uh, I am uh, the bread of life. I am uh, the way, the truth, and the life. That's what we get today. I am the resurrection and the life. And so today, we are gonna, we're going to uh, slow it down a bit and, uh, and, and, and consider what it means that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, uh, now that statement alone is powerful, but it is written in context. So we're going to be kind of going through um, what I like to call a very awkward dinner party. Um, just all of the stuff that goes down at this dinner party is uh, the Last Supper is uh, pretty foundational to the words that we have uh, here. So uh, as we enter this text here today, we'll actually pick up here in um, a few verses ahead, uh, chapter 13, verse 36. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll get us set up here. Uh, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus says this to his disciples on a night that was very troubling. They're winding down what would become known as the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus, uh, prior to this, had, uh, had a long ministry, or I guess relatively short ministry, of angering the Jewish leaders by telling the truth. And now these Jewish leaders are seeking to kill him. Uh, for one evening, uh, he and his disciples, the 12, they get together and they have a meal. And uh, they know that their time is winding down. Jesus sits down with the 12. Uh, in chapter 13, he, uh, he does something that's pretty scandalous. Uh, he said that I, I will serve, that, no one, that anyone who, uh, who is going to follow me will, will, will act as a servant. And then he goes ahead and serves them by washing their feet at this dinner party. He then goes on to explain after this um, that he's going to leave, that he's telling them things that they might not want to hear. And one of those is, I will leave and you can't come with me right now. And so it seems very troubling. He also reveals that one of them there uh, in the inner circle, the, the 12, that, they, uh, that they, he's going to betray him and give him up. And so the, so the uh, disciples here, they're, they're going into something that they think is this ministry with Jesus, and they find that, that he's just laying this down and saying, this is, this is the state of where we're at in ministry, and it's very troubling. And Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. So on the surface level, it seems pretty natural that the disciples' hearts would be troubled. So why does Jesus say this? Why does he tell them all of these things that are troubling and then tell them, let not your hearts be troubled. I think it's because there's a truth behind that. It's because he says on the surface level, this is troubling, but there's something deeper here, and I want to reveal that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And because I am the way, the truth, and the life, your hearts, cannot, uh, your hearts should not be troubled, but rather they should have peace and rejoicing. And so it's so odd, and I love that Scripture is revealed to us this way because it gives us a way to think through it, through the tension of how we might not have written the story had we wrote it ourselves. But since God wrote it, he invites us into considering the tensions here. I'll pick up now in John 13, 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? 
Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Uh, Go ahead to uh, chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that you may be, uh, that you, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. So I want to kind of pause there. Jesus sets up kind of a tension that I feel like I, I experience a lot, and I think many of us experience a lot. Jesus talks about uh, two main things in this whole dialogue here. He talks about these different places. Uh, you know, the, we're here, and there's my father's house. I'm going there, I'm coming here. And so he's talking about these two different places. Uh, you can put the slide up here. I've effectively named those two places here and there. So, so if you wanted to diagram for this sermon, uh, here and there. Uh, he also speaks a lot of then how we get there. There's this going between that happens. There's this activity between here and there that happens. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll rename those uh, or, or, or define here and there a little bit more. Here is the place of troubled hearts, and there is the good life. Here is the place where it feels like our Savior has lifted our hearts momentarily, only to abandon us in our greatest time of need. There is the Father's house, seemingly far away from all our troubles. And when I describe it that way, I mean, I resonate with that. I think a lot of times I just feel stuck here. Uh, I feel stuck in work or in family or in whatever rhythm we're in, or I'm stuck in my head or in my sin, and I just so dearly long to be there (laughs) because the good life is the answer. It's so much better. Um, Even I'm weird about uh, my yard, very weird. Uh, Dandelions are very much the place of here, and I long for there where there are no dandelions. (laughs) <laughs> wow, we're getting some, wow, that's a good response there. Um, so I'm not alone. Uh, the, uh, how do we get there, though? Jesus is going to explain that to us now. Like the disciples, we have a lot of questions of Jesus. That's what he's laying out. I'm going there and I'll come back. And then we, we read here in verse 36, Simon Peter asked a question. In verse 5 of chapter 14, Thomas asks a question. In verse 8, Philip asks a question. Later on, Judas, not Iscariot, is going to ask a question in verse 22. There are a ton of questions that come up to say, wait a second, I'm stuck here and I want to get there and you're telling me you're going without me? Whoa, 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 whoa. Give me some answers here. I am one of these. Josh is here asking many of these questions as well. Like the disciples, we have a lot of questions. What will calm our troubled hearts? How do we get to the good life? Where can we find true and lasting peace? Are we there yet? In John 14, Jesus responds to them, and he responds to us by inviting us deeper into the reality of himself. Uh, I'm just going to go through uh, uh, the three points today uh, are just uh, kind of a rephrasing from a poem of Thomas Akempis, where, he, where he, he speaks these words. He says, I am the way which thou must follow. I am the truth which thou must believe and I am the life in which thou, or for which thou must hope. And so that's kind of where we're going to go. We're going to slow it down and just look at that idea of Jesus as the way, Jesus as the truth, and Jesus as 
the life. Now, there's a little bit more. Uh, we have one more slide. You can put that up uh, now. This is it for your sermon slides. So we're here, and we want to get there. Here, I'm going to illustrate this a bit for you. I know it's just real great. You get, just get a picture today. Um, we're here, and we want to get there. Jesus is going to say, I am the way. This is the path that we're taking. This is that, that blue line on the GPS navigation. He says, I'm the truth. I'm that one stop that you must go through, and you go through that by believing. But, but the amazing thing is he says, I'm also the life. I'm the destination that's there. I am the whole thing. I am the way which thou must follow. Let's pick up in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, Thomas, maybe like you and I, wants the turn-by-turn directions. But Jesus explains a different course. He simplifies it. He simplifies the directions to one stop, me, and then a destination, me. And you're going to follow the route, which is me. He invites him not to go from here to there to there to there to there to there, but he says, you just need to follow me. I'm going to lead the way. So I'm going to lay it down, but I'm also just going to be that car right ahead of you. Well, just follow me. Follow where I go. Jesus said in his response to Peter, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And if you're like me, that word afterward, I just, I have struggled with the word afterward this whole week. He says, where where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. I I feel like, what what I feel is my my daughter asks me all the time, like, can I have some gum? Uh, It's like she could live on gum and gum alone. Uh, and, And I tell her, I say, not right now, but you can have some, you know, after we eat all of our veggies, I don't know, something like that, incentivize the gum, it's great. Um, but she always just melts down. And I feel like that's me. <laughs> that's me. It's, I didn't say no, I just said wait. Can I follow you now? No, you'll follow afterward. Well, when is afterward? Just let me know when afterward is. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what Thomas is struggling with. He says, how do we know we're going to get there? How do we know when we'll get there? So you say you're coming back to lead us there. When? And I find that I do the meltdown when things are tough, when things aren't going my way, when it seems like the Savior is just leaving and saying, nice job, you're a Christian, now I've given you a whole bunch of hope. Just cling on to that hope and muscle it out because I'm, I'll see you later. It might be real. When is afterward? What do I do while I wait? And I love, I, I challenge you to read this. Uh, chapter 14. I've gone over this so many times looking for an answer to when afterward is. And Jesus does this right here in this dialogue, in this conversation. He does this amazing thing where he kind of just takes what we might see as a picture and he just makes it really fuzzy. He says, let's just get this one out of focus because we're not really, it's there, just know it's there. We don't really need to worry about afterward. There's a whole lot of stuff to do right now. There's a whole lot of stuff to do while we wait. And it's good stuff. And it's stuff you need so what do we do while we wait? So recapping a little bit of what, what uh, Jesus says uh, throughout the book of John. In John 10, 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice. 
I know them, and they follow me. He says, what do we do in the wait? We follow him. And in this way, when he speaks of it this way, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. What he's saying is they follow in faith. We be faithful. We do what God tells us to do. We follow the instructions and the commands and the requirements of Jesus. That's one of the things that we do. That's a whole lot of stuff to do. That's good stuff to do. In John 12, right at the beginning of this, uh, of this, uh, this dinner party, he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me, right before he then goes and washes feet. He says, follow me. It doesn't simply mean follow my instructions. It also means follow my example. I'm doing things that you should do. And I'm also doing those with the right motive. So explore the motive for why you do. So yeah, I give to my father, but maybe explore why you give to my father. And is it the same? I, I listen to him and I follow him. I love others, but why? And how much do I love others? And when do I give up loving others? And what is my heart motive there? There's a whole lot of work there. And if you're as much of a train wreck as I am, there's a lot of work when it comes to our heart and our motives on what we do while we wait. Now, later on in, verse, uh, in chapter 20, 21, uh, Jesus is going to ask Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Do you love me? Peter says, yes. He asks him three times, and Jesus responds, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And then verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 19, Jesus says to him, then follow me. And then it clarifies that this is, you know, foreshadowing the death that Peter would go. He says, do all of these things. Follow me. Follow my example. Follow this way. If I go through this intersection, you go through this intersection. If I take this turn, you take this turn and do it unto death. This is what you are to do. So there's a lot for us to focus on there. We don't need to sit back and say, oh God, my heart is troubled. When can I go there? He says, we'll get there. But there's a whole lot of stuff to do to focus on while we're on our way. Actively follow Jesus until we arrive at our destination. Follow his voice by, by obeying his life-giving instructions. Follow his lead by imitating his virtuous example. Follow his ways by calibrating your heart to his. Those are pretty challenging. And that's all just in when Jesus says, I am the way. And that's not all that the way means, but that's something that's helpful for today. And I challenge you to think about that. Where are you not following his instruction? Where are you not following his example? I think it's such a sad thing that so many of us, uh, myself included, love Jesus a lot, and we look really good like we're following him a lot right now. And then by the end of the day, I, I know that I, I just turn to myself and go and do my own things and, 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 and exemplify Jesus as he is not. And I give a bad representation of who Jesus is. This is your job right now. Is not to get there. Your job is to be this now. Follow me. Just show the world who I am by the way you are. So I am the way which thou must follow. I am the truth then which thou must believe. We'll pick up in verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? 
The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So how many times are we like Philip? We just want to get there, but we don't want to put in the effort of actively waiting. We don't want to put in the effort of being productive for the cause of Christ Christ, while we are longing for him to return. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. And Philip, Philip responds, neat, just show us the end part. Just show us the life, the good life. Just show us a glimpse of there so we can trust you that our labor is not in vain. When family is tense, when you're not quite sure how to engage your spouse because you're in a really awkward fight, when your kids are exhausting or infuriating or, or um, unresponsive to your instruction, those are the times where we say, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> those are the times where we say, show me the end. Show me that my work is not in vain. When relationships or work go south, Show me that my work is not in vain. And when our faith has a lot of doubts, show me that my faith is not in vain. That's the heart of faith. That's what Jesus is inviting us to. Trusting in the unfathomable truth of Jesus, the Son of God, who is one with the Father, who was sent to die for the forgiveness of sins. And to do that, to believe in that, to trust in him every moment of our journey. You see, Jesus says in verse 11, believe in me, or believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. To rephrase this, Jesus says, you have seen God, me. I've not only told you that I'm God, but I have done many miracles that only God can do. You have every evidence to believe that you have seen the Father. My words are truth. Believe in me. We must believe in Jesus as our Savior. As any good direction goes, as the very simple uh, direction goes on the screen, we have to pass through Jesus Christ. The route only goes, the route to the good life, the route to true and lasting life only goes through Jesus Christ. And the only way to pass through the threshold of Christ on our journey is through faith. The truth is not that doing or saying Jesus things or even believing in any God will award you eternal life. The truth is that you and I are sinners. We've not done what God requires. The wages of sin is death. That's eternal separation from God. Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins and by believing forgiveness of sins, it is possible and we could be saved. That's that's the truth. You see, I think sometimes we think, uh, maybe mistakenly, that in Christianity or Christian subculture that we can, we can just follow Jesus as the way. We can do the things of Jesus. We can say the things of Jesus, and that's good enough. And he says, that's great, but I want your heart. I don't just want your head and your body. I want your heart. I don't want you to give me vain sacrifices. I want your heart. And that heart can only happen 
when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. I am a sinner and I need Christ. That is the way to true and lasting life. Not just by acting, not just by, by living out Jesus as the way. He's the way and the truth. And when we believe that, and when we look at that, and, we, and, we, and, and in our journey we go that way, through following Jesus and believing in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, then we get to that last part. I am the life for which thou must hope. Troubled hearts are hopeless hearts. That is, they're hearts without hope. They've lost sight of the destination or they've veered from the directions. In our journey in this life, we see Jesus show us his way and we hear Jesus remind us of his truth, but we lose sight of the destination. We don't believe that he is truly the life, the good life. We lose hope. We grow impatient in our preordained waiting for his return. We're prone to detours in hope that they might lead us to the good life faster. So uh, imagine this with me. We're kind of in this turn-by-turn uh, -turn direction kind of uh, analogy here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Stuff comes up on the drive. I, I don't know if, 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 if it's just me, but it seems like there's road construction everywhere. And when I drive everywhere, I find that 965 is the worst road on earth. It's going to be beautiful, but I hate driving on it. Stuff comes up. There's road construction And I think sometimes that road construction is infuriating and slow. But I think sometimes in the journey of life, God puts us on a path where there is road construction and gives us an opportunity for recreation, to pick up something that was broken and lay it down complete and good. And so sometimes we just have to go through the road construction. Sometimes we run into traffic and I have just what I think is quite possibly the greatest definition of traffic. I wrote this myself. An inconvenient, unexpected, extended leg of the journey marked with suffering and seemingly unsatisfied longing. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's why I would prefer to ride my bike everywhere. I hate traffic. Inconvenient, unexpected, extended leg of the journey marked with suffering and seemingly unsatisfied longing. I think that works for real traffic. I also think that works for traffic in this life. How many times does, uh, does, uh, do, do people go down with some kind of illness? That's unexpected. That's oftentimes extended. That's marked with suffering and unsatisfied longing. How many times do we, uh, do we pursue a degree or a career and no one gives us callbacks on our applications? Uh, our grades don't turn back the right way. We maybe have to take a class again. How many times do we, do we move and we set up something uh, and start this career or, or start this new leg of schooling and finances are just screaming at us? Or rather, I guess finances are silent because they're not there. And it seems long and unexpected. Sometimes we get demoralized because, because we have that, that mountaintop experience. We have, we have Easter Sunday Jesus, you died for my sins, and there's newness of life. And then we go into the world as Christians, and we're driving right along. We're following the way. We've believed him in the truth, and we're on that, like, second portion there on the screen, that second portion of the journey from Christ in the middle, that blue circle, to there. And we're getting there. We're believers. We're Christian. We know this. But life is just awful. It's traffic. 
So sometimes we like to jump on the HOV lane. <laughs> we like to go the fast route. We think it's going to be a little bit easier. We find a detour. We make our own route. I mean, if you have the same kind of, kind of uh, GPS that I do, it usually gives you that this is three minutes slower. This is two minutes faster. It gives you the options. And you start to think maybe there are options. Maybe this way of sin is going to be great. It may not be the actual good life, but it might get me to good feelings faster. It might momentarily feel like the good life, even if it blocks me off from the necessary exits that God decided I needed to be on. So I'll just hop on that lane, go a little bit faster. It'll be fun and free for a while. I'll do my own plan. And sin feels that way. Otherwise, we wouldn't sin, right? It feels like freedom. It feels like fun. It feels like the faster way to the good life. And it feels like the good life until guilt sets in, until truth sets in, until the Spirit convicts us of our sin. There are the ways that we can entertain ourselves. There are ways that we can, uh, that we can uh, numb the, uh, the, the suffering, the, the hardship, that we can numb the traffic of this life, but, but that's not going to get you to where God desires you to end up. I mean, if I had a map, I, I could put it up there for you. Uh, uh, when, when Moses was told to lead the Israelites to the promised land, he would literally draw like a very short line. They took a 40-year journey all around. Huh. This, this route, 40 years faster. <laughs> but that's not the way they went. Because there's something to learn in the journey. And so don't give up on the journey. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you really believed in me that I am the truth, that I am the forgiveness of your sins, that I am with the Father, that I am going to prepare a place for you and I will come back, and everything that I've said has been true, everything that I will say will be true, you can have hope in this, even if there's construction even if there's traffic, even if there's hardship in relationships, in finances, in careers. Even if, I don't know, even if you're not at a low right now, even if life just feels blah, and you're just doing the same thing over and over and over. Waking up, gathering your food, going to sleep, 40 years of that in the wilderness. We put that into our own life. That's like our life doing that. Israelites know. He gives us a good example of what it's like. We wake up, we follow Jesus, and then we go to bed. That's what this life is. Easter is wonderful. It reminds us of something. This life is where that hope takes us on its course. Jesus is the way. He is the path to everlasting life. Jesus is the truth. He's the threshold through which we must cross. Jesus is the life. He is the person and place to whom the path leads and the threshold guards. When Jesus goes to prepare a place for his disciples, I'm confident that he has physically gone to actively prepare a real place. But I also wonder if there might be something more immediate in the preparation for us to have in view. I wonder if we should also consider his current preparatory work as less of a rearranging furniture in God's heavenly mansion, maybe rather consider his current preparations 
as a cultivation of the longings of our hearts while he's away so that they follow Christ, so that they believe in Christ, so that they hope for Christ. There may be a physical preparation happening, but there's also a preparation happening in us, and that's this life. It seems that this view of Jesus' preparatory work then, then makes the diagnosis the cure. Jesus has diagnosed them rightly. He says, you and I have troubled hearts. It says, you're troubled because it seems like I'm leaving you. It seems like I'm silent. It seems like I've not given you adequate step-by-step directions. But unless I die, the curtain will remain untorn. Unless the temple, the house of God, is torn down, how will it be resurrected again? I lay my life down that you may have life. I die that you may have a true way to life. I will go to the Father as your sacrifice and your advocate, for that is the only true way for you to get from here to there. And this is my work. But here's the great part. He says, and I don't leave you alone. We can zip ahead a little bit to uh, verse, um, verse 25. Jesus ends this part of their conversation some wonderful words of encouragement for right now. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you to, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. In the words of Thomas Akempis, as he rephrases what Jesus says here, I am the way which thou must follow, the truth which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. We have a great hope. We have a dead, then resurrected Savior for forgiveness of sins and newness of life. But he doesn't just go away after that. He leaves to prepare us. In the distance we are prepared, our hearts swell up in a longing for him actively longing for our returned Savior. And he gives us a helper to guide us to the way everlasting. So let's pray now. And I want to take a a few moments just to let you pray uh, that we can ask God for the discipline to stay the path. That we can ask God for faith to believe And then we can ask God for truth, real truth, that we can hope in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus.